0: It's easy as you go through your career to stick to the people that are like you and you're never going to learn. You're never going to have that empathy. You're never going to walk a mile in another's shoes if you just stick to that echo chamber of people who reflect your opinion back to you. So there's no learning there. Welcome to episode
1: 55 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempe. Today, we've got Lisa Morton joining us. Lisa is founder and CEO of PR and content marketing firm, Roland Dransfield, based in Manchester, England. They also have office, offices in London and Los Angeles. Thank you so much for being with us, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Andrew. Thanks. So Lisa is our second guest in the mini-series we have going on organizational communication. Last week, we set a baseline in our conversation with former morning anchor, Jennifer Livingston. This week, we'll get Lisa's perspectives as a longtime leader in public relations. But as we always do, before we get started, Lisa, it would be awesome if you told our listeners your story.
0: Sure, be I'd be glad to. Thank you. So, um... I was, uh, as a kid, I was always um, selling stuff. So anything that wasn't nailed down in our house, I'd get on a, a garden sale or a yard sale. Um, and and I used to make my neighbor give me his old lettuces. And so I made sandwiches and sold those to the school kids next door. We, we lived just next door to the school. So it was always inevitable, I think, that I would start my own business. Um, my company is called Roland Dransfield, as he said. And um, that is actually the name of my godfather. And uh, he was an amazing character who had been very working class background and had become an entrepreneur a long time ago, had met my dad. My dad used to service my dad's cars. Uh, My my dad used to service Roland's cars and he gave him a job. So one day when I I was eight years old, Roland came to, to our house and he said to me, you need to start your own business which in the 70s, probably for a young woman, it was fairly unusual for somebody to be, you know, that supportive and, and that directive that, you know, he said uh, a job meant just over broke. So he said, you need to have your own business. Um, and he brought a bucket and a sponge to my mum's house. And he said, you can go out and wash, wash the neighbours' cars. And if you can afford to pay me back for the bucket and the sponge after that, then you're in profits. And if you Can't then you need to go again and and pay me back next week. So I was in profit day one, and I then had a car washing around till I was um, 15. And then I fell in love with shoes and went to work in a shoe shop. But the story there is the fact that I was learning without really knowing it from a very early age um, how to run a business and what kind of qualities um, and strengths you need. Um, So I think when by the time I got to set my own business up when I was um, 27 in PR. I think kind of it was partly my DNA, that a lot of those challenges which I came across, I'd probably dealt with, you know, <laughs> from being ace onwards. Um, and the reason I got into communications is that I just always loved people's stories. So I was always the nosy kid who was asking all the questions of, you know, how do you get on? How are you successful? Um, what are your feelings? What are your opinions on this? So it was a natural Move for me, I think so, um, and I still remain nosy now. So, <laughs> twenty six years on, um, I still find it as interesting in you know understanding where people are coming from and and what it is they stand for.
1: Well, I just love the origin story of of your business name. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it's <laughs> it's it's wonderful connection uh, to to your to your deep past. Um, you know, if you had to pick one event in your life that was that just put rocket boosters uh, under your career, what would that be?
0: Well, I think it's an example that, um, and I've been asked this before, and and, and quite often somebody has got a big life-changing moment, but it's normally in relation to a big deal that they secured or an introduction. But for me, it was early on in my career. The, the business was very small. I had, my son was not even two, and I was um, expecting my daughter and I'd put the the team, I think we maybe had six, seven people in the team at that point. And I'd promoted somebody within the organization to look after the business for three months or so while I had my daughter and, and had the maternity leave that I didn't have in my son. And three hours after having given birth, I... Um, was informed that she'd resigned and that she was trying to oh. pull out some of the team members <laughs> oh, no. and, um, and the clients, she'd been headhunted by an agency from out of town who wanted to set up a competitor to ours. So, I mean, I was terrified. Um, I was devastated because, you know, my, my maternity leave actually lasted about nine hours, I think. Right. So, I mean, it was a devastating time and I was frightened of losing the business. I was worried about how I was then going to lo- look after my kids if that happened. So long story short, I gathered all the people around me that loved me and and, and helped to help me with the babies. Um, and I went back to work to, to save the business, really. But the lesson in that was um, where I thought, because the narrative around me was, I'm on maternity leave, I'm not going to be around, I'm not going to be up and running. The, the competitor business could offer a better service. It really kind of negatively um, had positioned where I was and what my capabilities were having a day old baby. Um, the, the clients, in actual fact, rallied round and they just said, There's no, we absolutely aren't going to go with your colleague and um, we're here for you and we understand that it's going to take you more time and it's a very difficult time for you but we'll give you that time so and how can we help one client actually seconded somebody out of their business to help me in the in the business in my own business so what i learned then is the fact that if you do those small things and you act with integrity and you put more in than you take out just by one of you you know by your values as a, as a business or as a, as a human being when you have massive massive challenges like that you know people will surprise you by supporting you so I think for me uh, that accelerated my career and the fact that I back myself and it also made me realize that it is absolutely all about you you have to put in more than you take out because there are always going to be those times in your career where you're going to be vulnerable and you need people to to come along uh, and support you.
1: Yeah, th- thanks so much for that. Uh, on on this show, on a number of occasions, we've talked about being that net giver, uh, and you know, not allowing to tip over to the other side where you become a net taker. There there are certainly times in your life where you you have to uh, you know be vulnerable and be a taker, uh, but but on balance, being a, being a net giver is uh, definitely definitely the way to, the way to go so i'm i'm glad you you shared that experience um, so let's dive into our conversation on communication uh, the logical place to start is to ask you to describe, to describe what the role of public relations is i i think a lot of uh, folks don't really understand Uh, what PR is. And along the way in your answer, uh, uh, in addition to the description of the role, uh, how does PR and corporate communications
0: add value to an organization? Mm. Well, it's a really good question is what it, what does PR stand for? Because um, I think certainly when I started my career, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors and people didn't really understand it. Um, my dad actually called it organized lying, which he was an engineer, so he didn't understand <laughs> <laughs> at all. <laughs> said it's a bit more than that, dad. Um, and the Institute of PR says that uh, public relations is the planned and sustained effort to establish and maintain understanding between an organization and its publics, and its publics being all its stakeholders. Um, and all those people have got an invested um, interest in, in the organization. Um we changed the definition at Roland Dransfield from that because nobody could remember it. And young people coming along, it's just seems very, very old and, and cumbersome. Now we changed it to purposeful relationships yeah. because for me, that's what PR is about. You know, that is how, you know, if it, to, to engender understanding between an organization, and it's publics. that's about relationship building. And I think, you know, communication is about relationship building. So, you know, every organisation needs to really understand, you know, who its stakeholders are, what those stakeholders need to understand about the organisation and how they're going to communicate that. What 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 do they need to communicate that? And also, crucially, where do those stakeholders pick up their information about the organisation? And that's obviously changed massively since I started my career, that um, there are a few places it was uh, a newspaper, or it was a ju- trade journal or a magazine. It was radio, it was TV, or it was a, it was direct. Whereas now, obviously, with the digital um, age, we've got there are so many ways um, that people pick up their information. And on top of that, again, you know, going back to the start of my career, and the thing that I never sat well with me was the request to, for people to bury stuff. Mm. To, to bury, you know, bad news about an organization, uh, keep stuff out of the media. And I mean, obviously that of course that goes on now, but uh, we have to be so much more transparent. There's, You know, we have to really, you know, and, and my business and my team will only work with organizations who are willing to be completely transparent. And we help them tell their story, you know, in, in the right way. So, um, you know, a PR professional needs to understand how the stakeholders tick, what they need, what's important, and then make sure that their organization shows up against what they say that they're doing.
1: Yeah. That the, that the, the role of PR uh, in, in a, especially in a large organization it can really add uh, a tremendous amount of value uh, if Mm -hmm. you kind of let PR be part of, uh, you know, and a a team member alongside the organization instead of uh, this thing that kind of sits off to the side and, and, and generates uh, and generates messages. So, you know, making public relations, weaving it into the flow of work uh, I I think is Mm -hmm. where, uh, is is where you really gain value, and you, you hit it on the head with that word transparency. You know, let's uh, you know constructively, creatively, be as uh, as as transparent as we possibly can be in a, in each moment. So I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Um, call an experience in your career where you thought you had an unassailable, crystal clear message, only to find out later that the intended message was not received or was just wildly misunderstood. And
0: we're all learners on
1: this podcast. What can we learn from that?
0: So yeah, I do have. Um, it was a. It became life changing and business changing when we recognized that the mistake, but um we had a probably about 4 years ago um we want i was going through big growth in the business and we're taking on a number of senior lateral hires from other agencies so that we could get territory in different sectors um, and we were kind of increasing the skill set around that so you know these accomplished people came into the business and um we it was ex- it was exciting time we were building for, uh, towards moving into some great new offices and there was a honeymoon period and it was all felt like it was fantastic. Um, and the message was that to the team that, you know, we're going for growth. We've got to build momentum into this team. There's a dynamic here that, you know, we're all and we're all in it together. So there's going to be a lot of hard work, but, the, you know, the rewards will be X, Y and Z. I Something wasn't sitting with me probably, you know, nine months into that process. It didn't feel right. And I felt that although the that was the message. And that's how it looked on the outside, and we, we you know, we were experiencing some growth. There were things falling off as we were going, so we're all on this bus, but the, some of the wheels are falling off the bus, and 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 mostly that was down to, um, some of the behaviours of those senior people who had come into the business with agendas, possibly egos, yeah. yes. There were expectations of the the more junior team to do stuff that the senior team maybe weren't prepared to do because they felt that was outside of their remit. I was kind of ruminating on it when I went away on a, on a holiday. And when I landed for a, from a week's holiday, I turned my phone on. It was all hell had let loose <laughs> um, in the team. And there was bickering going on. It was awful. I'll never forget the day. So I drove back to the office, went into the office the next day, the new office, and I sat the whole team down. I said, Okay. The the issue we've got here is that although I think I communicate the values, the the values of the business and the values are important to me. It's clear that we're not all in this together because there's there's no clarity around the behaviors and the values of this team. So we're all thinking different things, you know. And I called a couple of people out because the behaviors were were not acceptable. So I just said, look, we are going on this bus together. We did a big piece of work. We worked on our values, our purpose, and our mission. And long story short, it changed the business. Um, four years down the line, we still have those values that we talk about every day. They're, they're part of our vernacular. They're part of our narrative with clients. Each team member, no matter how little experience they have, has the ability and, and the empower and it's empowered to call out behaviors that might not be aligned with those team values and in a fun way sometimes. So before it even becomes a problem, we know that we're on the same page. Um, and so as a result of that piece of work we've done, that totally now is part of the work we do with our clients in helping them find their values, their purpose, their vision and mission and making sure that they also communicate and embed them in everything they do so that the PR part of it and the purposeful relationships is right at the core of what they do and everything comes out from there. So, yeah, um, we we got it wrong and we're we're a communications agency, so we fixed it. <laughs> um and then things change dramatically yeah
1: well I think that gives uh our, our listeners uh actually some degree of comfort uh knowing that uh that that a company that's in the communications uh business uh can can get internal Communications wrong sometimes and that's mm. uh, you know that, that I I think that that level of vulnerability is uh, is is awesome because you know, it's you know what you did in setting the the, the vision, the the your values, getting your culture uh, really established. After you know saying it once and it really didn't take, and then you recognized to just really get after it, and and that consistency mm-hmm. and persistence of the message uh, has paid off. That that's what that's what I'm hearing uh, from that. So
0: definitely. And also, Andrew, we have one of our values is admit it, fix it, move on. Yeah. And that's not a cop-out. That's not just, okay, we've screwed up there, so it doesn't matter, you know, let's just, you know, tomorrow's another day. That's about really having that safe space as a team to say, and to, internally or to our clients, and to give that pr- that permission to our clients to say, you know, this is a relationship. Sometimes they're going to be great. Sometimes it's going to be not so great. But if we are brave enough to say, okay, we didn't get that right. Often what you end up when you do the work to rectify that, you, you end up with a much better scenario than you did even before the mistake happened, which is like positive development in any relationship. So that's really important to us. And you know, if we're not making mistakes, we're not making things happen. And, and that's true of any organization, but that empowerment to to be able to figure out how to fix it and, and get into a better space is really important.
1: Yeah, you. Uh, I'll use one, one of the current buzzwords: uh, psychological safety. You're creating those mm-hmm. psychologically safe environments to allow anybody on the team uh, to uh, to to weigh in and and uh, kind of corral the culture back to uh, back to its core. I think that's uh, that that's mm-hmm. so important. Um, you know, communi- yeah. communication ranks in the top ten a uh, list on many lists of skills for the future. Uh, would like to tap into your advice here that you might have for our listeners on how to improve their uh, communication skills. So any specific uh, tools that you might recommend for people that want to
0: boost their skill level here? So very simply, and this is an expression that my grandma used to say when we were little, is two ears, one mouth. Yeah. I mean, I start with that. Um, you know, you never get the information you need if you're talking all the time and you do get the information you need and you do get the intelligence that you need to help to change things, improve things if you listen. Um, and you know, it's about being curious about people. Um, and asking those questions, you know, what's their story or what, you know, or in a commercial situation, um, how can your, your products, or your service, how can you help other people solve their challenges and their problems? So I think it's absolutely always about listening. And, um, so I don't think there's any particular textbook, um, in that respect, I think it's just about being open to those, those conversations. I think also, always think about how you can help people. Um, so if that is your go-to, which is, you know, our, our team, that's the magic in our days. Like how can, who can we help today? Who can we connect? How, what kind of challenges can we, we solve? But also ask for feedback. So many people are so fixed on their view and their lens on the world that they would never take the time to say, you know, how was that communication? How's that conversation for you? You know, did you feel railroaded? Did you feel that we got out of it? You know, do are we coming we're we coming away from this conversation or this piece of communication both uh, with more clarity
1: yeah, yeah i'm I'm hearing you know active listening uh, for sure. Uh, you are you know Je- Jennifer Jennifers uh, last week said uh, you know two two ears, uh, two ears, one mouth uh, you 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 hear you hear that all the time, but what what I loved from what you just said was the the empathy piece, uh, being able to mm. to uh, you know have that uh, open mind. Uh, I like to think of it as kind of softening uh, my, uh, my, my mind, uh, just a little bit, uh, because if I'm so, w- one of the things that I find is so hard about, uh, communication is that, uh, people are, are so in tuned with what they are going to say next, that the, <laughs> that you have all of this noise uh, in your head of, uh, okay, I'm, I, I'm, 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 getting ready for my punchy comeback or, you know, that you, that you lose track of really what's going on. So if you, you know, can soften uh, 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 your, your mind a bit and just open up a little bit, uh, then all sorts of wonderful things can happen from a communication perspective. So we're going to take a really short break for, uh, for an advert here, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempty. In my book, Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, I explore the characteristics required of leaders who must find balance between strength and vulnerability, confidence and selflessness, passion and measure, and leadership and followership. Balancing Act is available today at Amazon.com. And we're back. So... We've got uh, Lisa Morton here. Uh, She's talking to us about communications. Uh, Lisa, many leaders uh, ignore building communication skills in their teams uh, because they make the erroneous assumption that everyone already knows how to communicate. Why is this a false narrative? Uh, Really, the sub-question here is, why is communication so hard?
0: Well, I think... Many leaders um, can't communicate themselves. So that's why there's kind of so little emphasis on it in organisations at times. Um, Or they can't communicate or they don't want to communicate. Um, And that's, you know, so that's why there's often that fallacy. Um, I mean, communicating isn't hard if you you do the things that we've just been um, talking about. And I think also it's easy as you go through your career to stick to the people that are like you. And you're never going to learn. You're never going to have that empathy. You're never going to walk a mile in another's shoes if you just stick to that echo chamber of people who reflect your opinion back to you. So there's no learning there. And so I think that it's interesting that there's um, your listeners may or may not know there's a, a very well-known footballer called Gary Neville who has, um played for Manchester United and, a, and an amazing, um, very famous um, football manager called Sir Alex Ferguson who was uh, manager of Manchester United for a long, long time. Um, and we're lucky to, enough to work um, with Gary. And he always tells us that Alex Ferguson always used to say, you know, tell people what's going on in, in the boardroom. And it, and so that particularly resonated with me. I had that conversation with him in COVID because we, we had no toolkit really for what on earth went on there. I mean, people were impacted so, um, you know, drastically. And, and our business was. So I just thought, well... I'm just going to tell everybody every day what's going on in the boardroom. And it was a metaphorical boardroom, obviously, because we're all in our kitchens or whatever. Um, And so I didn't hide anything. And I just said, I've not got the answers. I don't have the answers. I'll tell you literally hour by hour what we're experiencing and, and how the business is being impacted. And that then, because I was open and vulnerable about that and honest, it encouraged the team then to be open and honest about how they were feeling. And again, that empathy piece Um, and it impacted people very differently. You know, everyone's at different circumstances and and different concerns. So I think it it starts there. Um, You can't expect your team to communicate with you and maybe give you intel on how, how things are going internally in the organization or maybe how, you know, things sit with clients without feeling safe that they are able to communicate that stuff back. And the other thing is so many uh, you know, leaders, or well, they're not a leader if they do this. Right. But so many senior management only want to give good news, and therefore you breed a culture there where only good—it's good news only can be shared. So people are frightened of coming forward with the not good news story. And I know that I would rather have the bad news or or a, a challenge um, communicated to me early on, so we can do something about it. And people only want to come to you with good news, or they might get sacked, or they might. So so it's that it's that two way honest uh, communication and the same for businesses and brands with their external cons- customers, you know, be honest and that's how we can get better at communication.
1: Yeah, as a uh, leader of a reasonably large organization for uh, over 20 years. I can attest that uh, the emotional waste that is generated when the boardroom door shuts and things are going Mm -hmm. on in there that are uh, that are not communicated out. Boy, the the water cooler just gets uh, just gets rolling (laughs) with all sorts of conspiracy theories uh, uh and maybe there's 10 percent truth, but then there's 90% that just goes aw- totally off the rails. So uh, you know th- thank you for modeling uh, that behavior in your in your own business because things aren't just always good news. and you've got to uh, you use the word vulnerability again. I, it, that is so important for leaders uh, to show to show that vulnerability. So, thumbs up there. Um, Lisa, we're getting close to uh, the end of our time together. And uh, I'd like you to imagine that there's uh, a school leaver or in the U.S., what we would say call a high school graduate uh, or a a college graduate, a university graduate sitting right in front of you, uh, especially uh, someone who might want to go into the world of
0: communications. Uh, What advice do you give to them? Well, if you're looking to kind of pitch and find a job, so if you're not going through a recruitment consultant um and quite often I think if you're starting out in your career, for me, I am always impressed by people that approach the business um directly with a show me that they really understand what our organization is about, the, the clients that we work with, and it's got an intelligent, um, an insightful uh, view on how they, uh, they feel they could add value. So I think, you know, if I get um, a blanket email that's come around, somebody's clearly trying to get into our industry, I won't be interested in that. Um, so again, you know, we'll be looking for people who are interested in, in organisations, you, know, e- you know, every day, you know, we'll be sitting in front of an existing client or a, a prospect and we're digging into what makes them tick. So I need to see that that int- interest and that curiosity and whoever is going to, otherwise, if, they d- if they're not looking for a story or they've not got that, um, you know, that curiosity, they this isn't the industry for them. Um, so that's impressive. And for me to feel that uh, that person's taken time to research the, the business and, and can kind of reflect back some of the stuff that we've done and why they want to be part of that team. Um, once you're in the job, I think, um, again, Listen, listen, ask questions. Don't finish people's sentences off because (laughs) we sometimes have that. And if, you know, you, it happens. And I always say to the team, never, never do that because you've already decided what that person's going to say. And you never know what that person's going to say till they've said it. Um, And then again, from day one, make purposeful relationships. So make sure that, you know, your net net worth is your, your net, your network is your net worth. Uh, but more than that, commercially, what it is is if you from the, the first day of your career, you always look to see how you can add value and how you can help people. As we said before, at some point, whether that's maybe you want a career, uh, you want you know a, a change of direction in your career, or you want somebody to help you with an opportunity, those people will help you because of that integrity um, that you've shown um, from the you know the early days, and is the little things you do every day, and. One of the best pieces of advice I got when I started out in my career was I was told by a journalist to be really nice to the junior reporters, the trainee reporters, because one day they're going to be the editor. (laughs) And so if you want your piece on the front page, then uh, as it was in those days, um, if you've not been nice to the, 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 the trainees, they'll remember. And that's just a good kind of analogy for life, I think. It's just, you know... We are here. I dig into some of the, the the relationships I made, literally when I started my career. At times, um, and I can do that because I've, you know, hopefully most times, uh, I've acted with integrity and put more in than hook took out. So that's my best piece of advice for anybody getting into the communications world or any world. In actual fact, yeah,
1: you you, you talked about the world of communications, but uh, being curious, uh, being agile, having open ears. And building strong relationships up, down, and across uh, an Mm -hmm. uh, organization—not just focused up, uh, but focused all the way Mm -hmm. around—is is is just solid, solid advice for any uh, any school Mm -hmm. leaver in really any industry, Uh, Lisa. I have uh, enjoyed getting to know you today. Uh, I know that our listeners have, uh, have done so as well. So I want to thank you uh, for being here. Is there anything else that you want us to know about Roland Dransfield?
0: Um, the, the, we also have um, a podcast company that we, we've we launched called Purposeful Podcast. So we can help uh, advise people who want to start their own podcasts, or we can help them to produce the whole thing. So, um, and that's been again it's just uh, the interesting how communications move on you're doing the same thing it's a way of really building a, a you know a great uh, community um, with an audio strategy. So I've really enjoyed doing that so if we can help anybody at all um, you know from in the states or anywhere else then you know more than happy to have that conversation.
1: That's awesome.
0: well thank you thank you again for being here.
1: I'm Andrew Tempty, This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on all of the major uh, podcast services. Uh, please like, subscribe, uh, give us a rating, and uh, we will see you next time.